Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And once again, welcome everybody to the Propreneur Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, my name is Dino Watt, and I have been your host here for the past 100 and I want to say 23 episodes, I think, right now. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of the community. And thank you for all of you that now that we're back to events, have been gracious enough to come up and tell me that they've listened to the podcast, that they enjoy what we do here, because that's what it's all about. We're trying to bring you the best practices for your practice. And today we have both an expert and a professional for our show. As you know, we typically go between either an expert, somebody who actually has a product or a program, and a professional, somebody who's got their you know fingers wet actually doing the work. And we have somebody who's doing both. Today, our guest is the creator of Burris, which is Mehdi Pekar. Mehdi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dino. And uh, uh, thank you for the invite. It's great uh, that um, I'm here and I'm really excited for our conversation. Yeah, me too. So I was telling Mehdi before the show started that uh, we had actually met probably about four years ago, four or five years ago at one of the MKS forums. I think it was my very first one. And I had seen Burris over there and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And so we had a quick conversation, trying to understand how it worked and all that stuff. So I'm excited to dive into this today for our listeners to find out a little bit more about you, first of all, and then about this amazing system that you've created. I always love people who take their passion and create something even more out of it and see, oh man, how can I make that better, faster, smarter, easier for people, not just for the doctors, but also for obviously their patients. So we're going to dive into that. But first, as we do on our show for every show, let's start off with your story. Let's find out you uh, about you, how you got started in this, where you're from, why you decided to become an orthodontist, and how Burris came to be. Of course. Great. Um, so, you know, I am originally from Iran. I did uh, dentistry in Iran, and uh, then I did residency in orthodontics in Iran. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the original idea of Brias uh, came to my mind when I was a first year resident in Iran. That was 2007. Um, I was talking to one of my professors and he said teeth move on average about one millimeter per month. And then I was like, okay, so if we do an extraction case, uh, we extract like premolars and we do absolute maximum anchorage, the treatment should finish in about seven months because we you know, the extraction spaces. So why it takes on average two years or mm-hmm. about two years. And then my professor was like, okay, maybe don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> you're, not, uh, you're not experienced. So maybe uh, you have to wait. You learn orthodontics. And then also I had uh, one of my first patients was a teacher. He was about 40 something years old. Um, he had very... A lot of crowd, the crowding was a lot of crowding, high buckle canine. And he was very concerned about the braces. He came to the clinic every week instead of every month. And he wanted me to uh, adjust the braces for him. And then I asked him what is going on. He said uh, his students uh, who are 13 years old at, you know, very 13, about 12, 13 years old, they, they laugh at him because of, uh, his braces and before having braces they were laughing at him because of the crooked teeth 
Mm. So he wanted to get this treatment done. Uh, that's why I came to the clinic every week. And then I, I, you know, I thought of this idea that something is invisible um, and, you know, the teacher doesn't have to come to the clinic every, like to see me. It kind of does everything on its own. And uh, so I came up with this idea of RIAS uh, back then. It was 2007. I wrote a proposal and I gave it to the School of Dentistry in Iran. And then they rejected the proposal. They said, oh, this is a cool idea, but you won't be able to manufacture it. It's more like science fiction. It's exactly wow. that they told me. Yeah. And actually, I was, I was um, looking into my emails uh, and I found it, uh, the proposal that's in Persian because in Iran, the language is Persian. So the proposal in, and that's the idea of Rias there. That's uh, interesting. It was like kind of nostalgic to me. I was looking at these like about two months ago. Um, but, you know, uh, after I graduated, um, I, I love physics, you know, I love physics. I love quantum mechanics. And the reason I came to the U.S. was just to study physics. So I came to the U.S. and uh, I started my Ph.D. in uh, condensed matter and quantum mechanics at University of Illinois. Mm. But I could not stop thinking about Brias. I was just thinking, why nobody is doing it? You know, this makes sense. Um, and then I transferred to uh, Johns Hopkins. Uh, that's in Baltimore. Uh, I finished my Ph.D. there. But again, I was just thinking about Brias and then. To try it on patients, uh, I didn't have a license in the U.S. because I'm an international dentist. So I had to do some sort of either like dentist, dental school or residency, some, something. I had to become a faculty. Anyways, I, uh, I started my residency at UCLA in orthodontics. Oh. Um, yeah, and um, that at that time, I was working on Brias um, very seriously. That was uh, basically all my focus, although residency is already a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, and especially like UCLA is like more than full-time job. Yeah. But uh, I started working on that, uh, that was 2016. And um, we made um, a, a typodont that um you know wax typodont that you know the Brias worked on that for the first time and i made a video and also we did all the regulatory because you know you have to do a lot of paperwork to try a medical device on a patient so sure. um, I, I all of that was done but the problem was uh, an orthodontist who tries it on a patient because when i was resident i didn't have a license i couldn't try it myself right so to uh, convince our first orthodontist, uh, you know, I made that video and when uh, the, the orthodontist see, uh, saw that, you know, say, okay, that, that looks promising. So let's, let's do it. And we tried it on the first patient and that uh, first patient, I would say had um, generalized spacing, kind of simple case, uh, maybe with Invisalign, if the patient was compliant, it would have taken six months. Mm. Um, and, you know, I placed the Brias uh, for the patient and about a month and a half later, the patient came back and I looked at the patient and I said, okay, actually the treatment is done. We are wow. done. Yeah, that was, that was a, that was a milestone uh, 
for Brias uh, back then. And um, that patient actually started crying. Uh, that was, um, that day was her birthday. I didn't know about it. Oh, interesting. Just accidentally, that was her birthday. He said, oh, this is the best gift. You know, I, I talked to other orthodontists. They told me it takes six months and now my teeth are straight. And so that gave us a lot of motivation, encouragement to continue. And also the orthodontist was very encouraged. Oh, wow, this, this was um, quick. Um, and the rest is history. Uh, so that is the, like the story of origin of uh, Brias and our That's first awesome. patient. I love yeah. it when you just are like inspired by something. And when you said that, you know, you just couldn't stop thinking about Brias. I, I know that feeling. I've had that before with I actually have that right now with a couple of projects I'm working on where I just can't stop thinking about it. And uh, the way it's, I see it in my mind's eye, I can yeah. you know, try out little things here and there. I want to actually back up for just a moment, though. But uh, what made you want to become an orthodontist when you were a little kid? Like, was this something that you had always aspired to be? Was it kind of happenstance? Uh, I know you like the physics part of it, yeah. which is great. But yeah. what, what inspired you to be an orthodontist? Yeah, so... Um as you said, you know, physics, physics, uh, I, you know, I, I love working with patients. So this, that's one thing. And the other thing, uh, actually I had two options. <laughs> one was ophthalmology, light and physics of, uh, light. The other one was orthodontics. They're very different, mm -hmm. but, uh, when I was in high school, I decided I'm going to be an orthodontist. I was in high school. I, I knew that, um, and in Iran, the system is that you go to dental school for six years. So, um, you know that's how it's like similar to Europe it's not like in the U.S. that you do undergrad and then you do dental school so right. uh, from high school I knew that I'm going to be an orthodontist and I love the biomechanics part of it this really amazes me and um, you know Brius is based on biomechanics everything is biomechanics um, everything is calculated the forces the moments uh, you know um, for example like recently you know, we got, we are getting the results of some canine impaction cases that with two briases, uh, we brought the, um, a canine from the nose into the arch and we are fixing its torque and everything is calculated. We know uh, how it works. You know, the first patient, you know, that patient that I told you, it took me about 200 hours to do the design. I had to do a lot of simulations, uh, because, uh, Brias has, you know, has that anchorage base and has those arms mm -hmm. and each arm, the design and thickness is different from the design and um, arms of, they are all different. You know, I, even I did a calculation statistically, if we have 10 million patients, not two of these arms are going to be the same. Wow. Uh, it's going to be, it might be very similar. For example, one, the thickness should could be like 0 0.3000 millimeters. The other one could be 0 0.3001 millimeters, for example. It's very, it's going to be very close, but it's going to be different. Right. Uh, so, and you know, right now, I don't have to do any calculations, just the software does all that. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the design of the Brias and thickness of the Brias and at each, um, for each tooth will be determined based, and it takes like, just a few minutes that the design will be done. Uh, and um, uh, so let's get into it a little bit. Let's find out a little bit more around the idea around Brias, right? Because it's not mm -hmm. a braces system. So I know a lot of people think about it as 
you know, traditional brackets or maybe right. IDB or whatever right. in that sense. Right. What is what is really the difference between traditional braces and what Brias does? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, traditional braces, you know, we had, let's, let's put it this way. We had traditional braces for more than 100 years. Hmm. 20 years ago, we started using aligners 20 something years ago. Right. And then right now, this is a completely different category of uh, tooth movement. I call it independent movers. Okay. Uh, it's biomechanics is completely different. It's workflow in the clinic is completely different because you know, I just see brace patients. I don't see braces patients. Uh, oh, interesting. During my residency, you know, when I was seeing braces patients, I was thinking, why am I doing this? Because I had to get my license, but I had to do braces, but I knew that these are the last braces patients that I'm going to see in my life. There's not going to be any braces uh, in my, right now I do only brace. You know, the, uh, the fact that, um, the arm goes, grabs that tooth, that bracket, you know, the, 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 um, the slot doesn't matter. You know, we can do any bracket that you can imagine. You know, I have treated patients with speed bracket. I have done Damon. I have done innovation L I have done a Denta, you know, just, you need a handle on the tooth, you know, that bracket, for example, you know, like seat belt, you know, the, the way that we do seat belt. So that bracket could be like that that bracket could be in just you need a handle on the tooth and the fact that you know some people see it for the first time so oh, this is lingual braces this is completely wrong uh, you know because braces they work with wires brace is not wire it's like somebody calls an aligner braces you know it's it's completely different system it's biomechanics is different it's you know workflow in the clinic is very different and the same for brace I call it the third way of moving teeth. I call this category independent movers because each arm moves each tooth from its initial to its final position, independent of other teeth. Uh, but by independent, I mean like relative independence because you know when you are moving a tooth, still you affect the whole arch, but the reactive forces is gonna be applied to the whole arch uniformly. With braces, when you are moving a tooth, the reaction force, maybe more than 90% of it is going to be applied to two adjacent teeth. Uh, so that's why the biomechanics is very different. You know, recently, we, we did a research on ortho, um, OSIM. It's ortho, ortho simulator at University of Alberta. And you know, it clearly shows when you're moving a tooth with Brias, the reaction force is going to be applied to the whole arch. But with braces, we compared it with braces you are affecting two adjacent teeth. And usually those, those reactive forces are negative and you cause round tripping. And you know, with Brias, you don't have that round tripping and that, that has a lot of advantages. Uh, you know, obviously um, I, I haven't done any peer reviewed research on that, but you know, we don't see root resorption just based on my observations. And the reason, there are several reasons here. One, Teeth move independent of each other. They don't round trip. Uh, the other thing is that you are applying a very light force to the teeth with NITA. You know, with traditional braces, when we step up the arch wire, suddenly the force goes up. We put a power chain, the force goes very up, and then it decays very quickly. You know, these all will cause uh, um, root resorption. Mm -hmm. But with Brias, we are applying force, very light force with NITI from the very beginning of the treatment to the end of the treatment. And 
the interesting thing about Brias is that we can treat any case. You know, I have I have treated uh, extraction cases. I have treated um, protraction of molar. For example, in one of my cases, we uh, protracted the molar twelve millimeters. Six. We we had to extract six, and then we moved seven and eight about 12 millimeters and we moved it bodily. So wow. all of these is based on biomechanics. You know, we don't, we do all the calculations and um, yeah, obviously I am biased. I am the inventor, but it is so excited. When I think about the, uh, the potential for Brius um, is crazy. You know, how, what we can do, you know, I have treated orthognatic surgery cases. I have, um, I have used it with TADS, you know, simultaneously, you can use it with TADS. For example, um, I use benefit TADS, you know, you put the, bra- uh, the TAD there and then the Brias sits on top of it. And then, uh, you know, I have started several cases with those. For example, you can intrude the whole upper arch with Brias or you can extrude the whole upper arch with Brias. So if I remember correctly, when we were talking before, uh, the idea behind the um, not the bracket, but the, the wire, if you will, the Bria system is that it's pre uh, programmed wire. So that wire is when you place it, you're only placing, if I remember correctly, you're only placing the one wire and that one wire is doing all of the work for the months or whatever time periods necessary for the teeth to move. And it's just kind of slowly moving everything almost like robotics in a way uh, mm-hmm. the way that it puts it together is that correct yeah so you know one thing is that it, you know uh, when i look at it i would say this is more like a tiara it's not a wire okay, uh, okay. Tiara. Uh, yeah because you know uh, i would say the differentiation between the third way of moving the independent movers and uh like braces is that always with braces we do wires but right. with right. Brace, we don't do uh, you know, wire, the thickness usually is similar everywhere. It's exactly the same or is similar. You know, we right. can do like right. some changes in the world. But with ours, the customization is very, um, very like beyond like aligners or traditional. Yeah, because it, it customizes the thickness of the wire, the, the, um, the girth of the wire, if you will, right. even the, the movement uh, or the, sorry, the track, if you will, right. of the wire. Right. Like when it was explained to me, I kind of saw it as it's this, this kind of road or road map, if you will, of mm-hmm. the back of the teeth. Mm-hmm. And which, by the way, I'm going to ask you a question about that, but that it actually just moves it along. So until it's to the placement that you want it to be. Right. Yeah. So as you said, you know, uh, you put one Brias there and, um, you know, each tooth moves from its initial to its final position with uh, mild to moderate cases. If the bracket positioning is accurate, you can complete the treatment with just one Brias. Uh, you don't have to go to the second or third, but obviously if you have more complex cases, for example, if molar protraction or a canine impaction, you have to go to the second Brias, or sometimes if it sure. is too complex, you have to go to the third one. Uh, but, you know, everything is, all the biomechanics is inside uh, that one Brias. And, you know, the reason is that, you know, with, brace, with braces, when we have a wire, for example, we have a very crowded canine, but the rest of the arch is pretty good. We cannot step up the arch wire until that canine is aligned, right? 
So we have to start with 014 NITA. So we are wasting time. That efficiency is not there. But when you have Brius, the arms for, for example, molars that they are aligned, they are going to be pretty rigid. They're not moving those teeth, but the arm for that canine is going to be flexible such that it applies the right force to move it from its initial to its final position. So we don't have that step up arch wire system that we have with braces, um, you know, compared to, right. um, compared to Brias. The other thing is that, you know, lingual, you know, um, some so people see- why, why, the, why lingual, why the back of the teeth? Yeah. Yeah, very, very good question. So we can put Brias um, on the buckle. You know, I have treated many patients on the buckle. Um, and I have treated some patients that I put the bracket on the occlusal surface. For example, if you have a semi-erupted uh, seven or you have a canine that is semi-erupted, I put the bracket literally on the incisal edge or I put the bracket on the in occlusal surface of the molar. So if somebody asks, Brius is a lingual system? The answer is no. It's, a it's the third way of moving teeth. It could be buckle, a buckle system. It could be an occlusal system. It could be an incisal system. Just you need a handle on the tooth. The arm goes, grabs that tooth, moves it from its initial to its final position. So why we do it on the lingual side? These days, uh, aesthetics is very popular. You know, aligners are growing so fast. And the reason is that, you know, aligners are pretty aesthetic. Although when you go closer, to the, you know, you see the aligner there or you see the attachments, they are not like truly invisible, but Brius uh, is invisible. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the process of uh, bonding the brackets and indirect bonding, basically, if you put it on the buckle or on the lingual, they are pretty similar. If somebody's comfortable with indirect bonding on the buckle side, usually they can handle on the lingual side very easily. Just they have to be careful about NOLA and isolation and everything. And engaging the arms on the lingual side, you know, after the, you know, they, they do it a couple of times, it's pretty easy. You know, in the clinic, uh, I don't do anything. I, as far as like working with patients, I, I just go talk to the patient the first visit and I explain how the process is going to be. And my assistants take over. So with Brias, a very important uh, factor is training the staff. You know, we have to train the staff to do that for you. Yeah, that's one of my questions is uh, that I had written down here was what the learning curve, right? For both the mm -hmm. doctor and, and the team members, right? Because mm -hmm. I can understand where you have some doctor's resistance being, oh, I got to learn a whole new system mm -hmm. on how to treat patients. If it's not braces and it's Brias, like it's a totally different thing. What is that learning curve like for most people? Actually, you know, we have a very supportive uh, clinical team uh, that, you know, we, you know, we work with doctors and also we work with um, the assistants because both of them are very important. Uh, for doctors, uh, you know, sometimes they ask me, okay, for virtual treatment planning, what should we do? I say, just look at the treatment plan. If you like it, approve it. Uh, it's not like aligners that you have to do some overcorrection. So that's why um, learning care for doctors in terms of virtual treatment planning is very easy. They just, if they like it, they approve. If they don't like it, they don't approve it. Um, um, and, you know, 
for assistance, uh, you know, this is indirect bonding that is the challenge, you know, because sometimes uh, patients, um, uh, assistance actually, you know, if you talk to them or doctors, you talk to them, you say, have you done indirect bonding? They tell you yes. And then you say, when was the last time you did? They say 15 years ago. All right. Yeah. I did that. And so that does not count. And the same for the assistant, you know, if the assistant has done it once, you know, that's, um, although, you know, like when, we, we attach, we do the attachments for aligners, that's kind of indirect bonding, you know, so I would say assistants and doctors are familiar with that, but it needs some, um, some learning, you know, the, the you know, the, we need to train them, we, we need, uh, to, they feel comfortable about this. Is there, also, average, is there an average, like, time frame that most doctors should be able to get it, get comfortable in it? Uh, you know, usually with, with Rias, uh, you know, we have like two visits that we support our doctors. If they okay. request, we do more. But, uh, you know, we go to their clinics and we help them. You know, we have like, they, we call those days Rias days. They have like, let's say five, like five, seven or how many patients and they schedule them like each one hour. And then uh, the assistants, they do the first one and the second one and third one, you know, that's going to be their brief day and they get comfortable with it. And all the assistants try it, try the bonding the brackets and also engaging those arms. And then, uh, you know, if they need, we do like a second visit uh, to make sure that they are comfortable with that. Um, but as I said, you know, indirect bonding is the challenging part of it that, you know, even you know, sometimes we think we know, but we really don't know, or we don't have the tools. For example, I have been to the clinics, they don't have NOLA. I was like shocked that, you know, like if they don't have NOLA, the isolation for especially lower is going to be a little bit challenging. So, uh, you know, they need to be prepared. And um, if, if when they learn it, it's going to be very easy. The other part of our training is the treatment coordinator. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, one of you know, our doctors, like earlier doctors a few years ago, uh, he was so excited and wanted to like start a lot of cases. And then I went and I talked to the treatment coordinator and said, can you explain it to me a little bit? Because patients ask me questions. I only have this brochure sure. and I give it to them and I pray they don't ask me questions. So, you know, we have to train the, like treatment coordinators to doctor and also the patients absolutely um, that yeah. treatment coordinator is the one who's got to be able to uh, sell it explain it make them feel like it's the the top one top choice that they can choose from because you do have your traditional your aligners your clear you know brackets whatever so why choose this and let's talk about that because we could see where the benefits for the doctor right the doctor is mm -hmm. giving people another option uh, the customization is a big mm -hmm. deal, right? To go make sure this is customized to you. Um, the la la uh, lack of time in the office, right? I'm assuming there's less appointments for these, right? For Absolutely. the those are all great benefits. But as we're thinking about our patients, what are the major benefits for a patient to go with Brios as opposed to traditional? Yeah, of course. So um, I would say big part of it uh, is aesthetics. Uh, you know, um, with with braces, they don't have that option, but, and, you know, in many cases they are difficult or we don't have the compliance of the patient. And, um, with Brius, we don't have any limitation for, um, complicated, you know, complexity of the cases. And obviously we don't have the problem with compliance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the advantages of braces that 
It's not aesthetic, but you know, it's, we can do complex cases. We don't have to rely on the compliance of the patient. And also advantages of aligners that, okay, we cannot do complex cases. We cannot deal with non-compliant patients, but it's aesthetic. So we have like a combination of both. And, you know, also we have that advantage that we don't have to do any adjustments and we cannot do adjustments. You know, with NITA, you, you, you're not, you should not do adjustments because sometimes doctors ask, can I like bend it? I say, no, don't do that. Don't okay. do that. Yeah, you're going to mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that save the profit per visit definitely increases. It's a no brainer for our um, heavy users. You know, if, if you start like, uh, I don't know, like a few Brias patients, you know, the flow of your clinic necessarily, it doesn't help with profit per visit uh, because, you know, it kind of it interrupts the flow of your patients. But if you are a heavy Brias user, you know, right now you're like um, checking with our doctors that they want, they either they have switched to Brias 100% or they're like getting close, um, you know, for them, it's very obvious. For example, I had some patients I live in Dallas. I, I practice in Dallas. And we had this patient from uh, San Francisco. Uh, she went to UCSF, did this scan, and uh, she, we made the Brias for her. She flew to Dallas. I placed the Brias for her. She flew back to San Francisco. Five months later, came back. I removed the Brias for her. And that was not a simple case. That was seven millimeters of crowding on the lower, four millimeters of crowding for the upper. Although the patient was class one and no sagittal issue. And I was done. You know, when I removed the Brius, uh, after five months, I gave two uh, refiners. And by refiners, I, I call, you know, the, the liners that we provide uh, on top of the brackets uh, for the patient, I call them refiners. I gave two refiners to the patient and the treatment was done. And, you know, I said the last refiner, just use it as uh, your retainer. Uh, so... You know, in my clinic, I see the patients every month because I want to take photos, I do presentations, and I have to, like, use it for lectures and uh, those sort of things. But in a normal clinic, they really don't have to see the patients unless, uh, uh, you know, like something breaks or they have to do IPR or they have to do some sagittal correction or, like, some elastics, they should put buttons. Other than that, they don't have to see the patient, just... What I say is that bond the brackets, place the Brius, and let it cook. Wow. Um, yeah. That's so really cool. that's, a, that's a really neat gift and uh, opportunity for the patients and the doctors, too. You mentioned your uh, practice, which makes total sense in your clinic. Your full Brius brace is all you do. How I much only do Brius. Yeah, I don't do any braces anymore. How much of the two questions? Number one, how much of an advantage does that give you in your? Um, community, I guess you will, right? Because you're full, it's like a doctor being only Invisalign, right? But you're only yeah. Brias, so there's a competitive advantage there. Yeah. But on the other side of that, how, how do you market that? Because I'm sure there are doctors out here who either are part of the Brias program, they, they, they mm -hmm. offer Brias or they're thinking about it. Right. What, what's your marketing like with that? How do, you, how do you get the message out there that this is something you might want to really think about and uh, for your patients? Yeah, of course. So marketing for patients, uh, I would say it's pretty easy. Um, you know, I had some patients that that patient drove for three hours wow. and came and said, okay, I want to get Brias and I am an engineer myself. It totally makes sense. I want to do it. I saw your testimonials on our social media. I want to get it. 
And I was like, okay, you really don't have to drive three hours. I know a doctor like close to you. So let's like, I refer you to him. You don't have to come here. So, you know, that is a huge differentiator factor. You know, like in 2009, 2010, um, if you were doing aligners, you could differentiate uh, yourself. Right now, obviously not anymore, but right, you know, with Brias, definitely that's a, that's a huge factor. I think, especially for younger orthodontists, that could be very helpful when they start their practice. They yeah, it really differentiates you from everything else that's out there. Yeah, and you know when you talk about like your cutting edge, the latest technology, you know definitely, definitely that helps. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed, you know, when I remove the brace for patients and I give retainers to them, I hear it a lot. They say, "Can we? Ha- can I have the brace back as my retainer?" Oh, because, really? Yeah. Because, you know, with like retainers, like SX retainers, I do SX retainers usually, um, you know, they really have to put it back, remove it. Uh, and, you know, the challenges with that in front of others, if they want to eat they yeah. go, and they have to remove it, you know, like yeah. is coming out of there, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't look good. So um, I hear it a lot. They say, and also they say it's mo- uh, more comfortable that to have Brias just a little bit counterintuitive for uh, people who have uh, tried lingual braces. Uh-huh. You know, they have that mindset. That's also it. You, you talked about marketing. You know, our marketing challenge is more doctors because yeah. we have to make them unlearn things. Yes, I can totally see that. Learn, yes, learn the third way of moving teeth. So that's the challenge that we have. For example, when I talk to our doctors, they say, oh, you know, I, I want to use it for adults. That's a good tool to have in my clinic. And I say, this is totally wrong. What you say, Brias is for teenagers, mm-hmm. not for adults. This is for teenagers. When, when you talk to, uh, you know, after a month, I talk to teenagers. Uh, I say, okay, how was it? Uh, they say, oh, you know, it was, I hear it all the time. I hear it like, from like maybe like 70, 80% of the teenagers, they say the same thing. They say, yeah, you know, nobody knew I had Brias. They didn't believe me, but my teeth was like, became straighter and then they couldn't believe me. And then I showed them and then they believed me. This is really cool. And I say, okay, did you have pain? Did it affect your like speech? And then many of cases they say, oh, I don't remember. And I say, okay, that's great. If you oh, don't that's, remember, that's a good sign. It's traumatizing. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Although, yeah. Adults, you know, uh, you know, you know, for adults, it might take like a, a week or two until they get used to it. Um, as far as comfort, you know, irritation of the tongue goes away. Yeah, and yeah. also, you know, it might affect their speech. So setting the expectations for adults is very important. Um, you I know, bet. Yeah, you know. for sure. So you mentioned a moment ago on your social media, I'm assuming like this is a really great uh, area where you can show off all the great case studies, how Brius is different. And if you are connecting with influencers or micro influencers around this, that's going to spread the word a little more and and a little faster around, oh, there's another option here. So Mm -hmm. are you, you guys use your social media quite a bit to do that, to market? Yeah, although we haven't really started our marketing, uh, to be honest, but yeah, on our social media, you can't see. And actually, it's very interesting. Like last night, somebody was just posting things. Uh, he's, a, he's an influencer. He had like 120, 
k uh followers and she just started like doing stories about Brias and how her teeth oh, cool. are straighter and you know we didn't even talk to her she, she just did it herself that was interesting that's uh, the best type right that's the best yeah. type of marketing the best let it people like authentically say check this out look what i've been able to do and look at it i'm telling you as a company obviously and I know you're not a startup startup, but you're a younger company to be able to utilize social media and show people here's something else you can do that's different. That's going to be super powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, as I said, you know, uh, we are dealing with moms and uh, we did some surveys and, you know, we just said, okay, these are the advantages. For example, uh, Johnny, by Johnny, I mean like the teenager, you know, can floss, for example. And the treatment is going to be like, you don't have to come to the office those many times and like all those advantages. And it's a no brainer for moms to, to use that. You know, that's very interesting that some moms, you know, or like patients, some of them care about one advantage, the other one cares about the other one. For example, I had some patients, they said, I just want Rias. I started Brias because I can easily floss. That was the whole, you know, they really can. It's kind of rare to have such good patients. <laughs> they yeah, care yeah. about flossing yeah. um, because there is no wire connecting teeth. So, you know, flossing is very easy. And like some other patients, they, they, they say, okay, I wanted an invisible option. And uh, my case was too complex. I couldn't do aligners. And then, you know, this option, you know, I can do Brias. So all of those things I could see as being little social media posts, right? So yeah, just from, you know, my two cents on the way you're building this business is get more people just talking about that. You know, can you, can you floss like a normal person when, with, for your braces, I can, you know, or yeah. the aesthetics of, look, you can't even tell I'm wearing braces and have somebody do like a, a time-lapse, right. Yeah. Or, or pictures of their face for the three months and see how different they are without having aligners or braces like all those little things are great social media posts because the more you get people involved especially like you said the youth this is for the youth this is a great product for teenagers to be able to say check this out i don't have to worry about this about having braced face if you will like i had when i was a kid right metal mouth and even though it's not as much as a stigma nowadays it's still a matter of aesthetics it's still a matter of people on instagram and they want to have that instagram smile or they're on zoom right so right. I think there's a huge play there with your social media. That's awesome. Can I ask you what's next? Like where, where, where are you launching off to? Like what's, what's the future for, for uh, Bruce? Yeah. Great question. Uh, you know, you know, I'm really excited for the future. We haven't even started. That's how I see it. Wow. Again, you know, like I'm, again, I'm the inventor. I am biased, but uh, based on the, what I see and the results, you know, um, I call it force moment enhancement that's in the software uh, that uh, it adjusts the force and moments based on um, like the data that we have for the patient. You know, for example, with traditional braces, you never say put a power chain for the upper jaw or lower jaw, or you don't say put a power chain for a 12 year old. Uh, don't, uh, you don't say put a power, another power chain for the 52 year old, right? All the power chains are the same. We don't care it's upper or lower, what the age of the patient is. But from the data that we have already, age affects the force and moment dramatically. 
But with traditional braces and aligners, we treat all these patients the same way, the same arch wire, the same bracket, the same force. And this is, this is something that, you know, we can definitely improve. Right now, uh, with this force moment enhancement that we have in, the, uh, in our system, we look at even ethnicity of the patient. For example, what I have seen with uh, African-Americans, the force and moment is different from like other ethnicities. For other ethnicities, it still is not very significant, but you know, when we have more data, probably it's, it's gonna show up. But age is obvious. It's there, you know, when a patient is a teenager, the forces and moments should definitely should be to have the optimal force and moment for the most efficient treatment. It's very different from like a 70 something year old. Or age, age, uh, sorry, gender also affects the force and moment. So we haven't even started. And, you know, this is something that we cannot do with other systems uh, because of the factor that we don't have friction and because of the factor that we are moving teeth independently. Mm. You know, when, when the teeth are connected to each other, when sometimes one tooth moves faster and it's not predictable. For example, you are... Uh, Closing the space on the right and left side. Right closes much faster than the left side. It affects the other teeth and prediction of future is going to be hard. But when you are moving teeth independently, you still can enhance the forces and moments. And there is a lot of room to uh, make Rias more and more and more efficient in the future. Mm. I it, can see I can see like with technology, obviously this is way in the future, but I can totally see where in the future you're going to have the you know nanobot technology that actually can go into the the uh, Burris system or, or whatever, and you can program it from outside the mouth to adjust here, move that there, and it be actually moving inside. I, that's just you know science fiction again, but I like I like actually I'm going to bring all the way back to the beginning. I like that the school told you this is science fiction. <laughs> I see that as a compliment of like yeah, that's right. We're thinking of the future. We're thinking of how we can progress this industry or that people's uh, health around their teeth in a different manner, in a different way. And yeah, if we can do that, cool. So let it be science fiction. I think that's awesome. I think what you're doing is really cool and interesting. And I know nothing about biomechanics. I just know what that thing does is pretty cool. So thank you very much, Dino. Thank you. All that information. I know we could talk about this forever and you uh, are passionate about what you're doing, obviously, and I think it's so cool. We've come to a point in our show where we go over our six questions we ask everyone. Uh, are you willing to play? Of course. Let's do it. So these are rapid fire questions um, that we just go through, and you just give me the first thing that's off top of your head. All right. The first question is, what is the one thing that uh, every practice owner is missing in their practice right now? I'm sorry, the most expensive thing that every practice owner is missing in their practice right now? Uh, so maybe CBCT, like uh, that's something that, because you know, with, for all of my patients, I do CBCT. And when you see the roots, you know, I'm again, looking at from the lens of Brias, when yeah, the yeah. root is shorter and longer, that will affect the force and moment. So it is going to be important. And also in the treatment plan, if you don't have the CVCT, you might move the roots out of the bone. And, you know, I have some slides in my presentations, you know, the occlusion looks great, but when you turn on the bone, because if you submit CVCT to Brias, you're going to see the bone. 
there are two treatment plans. Both of them look great, but when you turn on the bone, one treatment plan, all the roots are out of the bone. The other one, they are inside the bone. And with Brius, you can move the roots very efficiently. So that's what I, I hope that you know, soon all our orthodontists will have CBCT in their, in their clinics. And you know, when they submit uh, Brius, they, uh, you know, they, we see CBCT. Although even if they don't, we just consider the length of the roots are average of the population. Um, and we still do that. All right. Uh, what is a book that you believe every practice owner should read? I um, I read a book um, when breath becomes air. I really loved it. When, when breath, breath it's about a neurosurgeon, and I don't want to uh, be a spoiler. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to destroy it. But you know, this is a great book. I think it. I really loved it when I read it. Cool. I love it. I'm a big book reader. I love, I love being in recommendations for books. That's mm -hmm. awesome. When, when breath becomes air. Air. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. So in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance as the foundation for business growth. What do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing with their teams and their office culture? When you're talking to doctors, when you're out there, you know, speaking at events, what do you mm -hmm. see as the biggest challenge that they're facing? Um, you, what I see, you know, there are two ways to look at, it's a, like a philosophy thing, but you know, two ways to look at your practice, helping your patients and making smiles and making people happy. That's one way to look at it. The other one is having a great business and having everything, a good culture and everything, making the patient happy to have a good business. I think they look the same, but that changes foundation of the practice dramatically. I yeah, think yeah. if you want to make the patients happy, you're going to have a great business. So no, I agree. I, that's how I see it. I think yeah. the goal should be when I go to the practice, I want to make a smile. I want to make a lot of smiles and I want to make patients happy. That, that should be the goal. And then the business will take care of itself. Interesting. That's great. Thank you for that. All right. So, how can how can listeners reach out to you and uh, and and get to know more about you and and Burris and all that? Yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, actually, it's very interesting. A lot of doctors contact me on Instagram. Uh, they can they can message me on Instagram at Doctor Picar, uh, D R P E I K A R, or they can email me um, at medi at briest.com. Medi is M E H D I. Sorry, it's, these are Persian names. It's a little bit difficult. Oh, it's great. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I think that's a, I, I highly recommend people do that. Like just get more informed. One of the things that we want to do in this show is just inform people about opportunities and how they can treat their business more like a business and see what other opportunities they can give to their patients. And it's, it's worth a reach out and finding out, you know, what else they can do. All right. So number five is a pretty deep question. Uh, but again, it's just uh, something that you don't have to go you know, crazy with just off the top of your head. What's the best advice that you've received in life or business? Minimize your regrets. I think, I think uh, it's a the Amazon founder that said that, you know, those things that you regret are usually things that you didn't do. Hmm. They are not things that you did and you failed. And I really believe in that, you know, oh, when, that's a really good point. Yeah. Because, because when I came to the U S you know, it's kind of 
crazy, you know, when I wanted to come, you know, actually in Iran, uh, I could have a very good financial situation after doing residency in ortho, being an orthodontist in Iran. Mm -hmm. And I left, I became a very normal student starting from zero in the US. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of my professors were like against it. I said, what are you doing? Are you, I remember one of my professors called me and I said, did you have, without saying hi, I said, did you have a, like a, a concussion? Did you have like, what, what happened? <laughs> and um, I followed my heart and I knew that it doesn't seem logical to study quantum mechanics, relativity, but I loved it and I enjoyed it and I don't regret. Uh, even like financially, probably I, I am way behind my colleagues because, you know, like 10 sure. years ago, I could be an orthodontist, but but I loved it, and and I think everybody should do that. If if you think that. something your heart tells you you should do, you should do it. Well, I love that you said that. Minimize your regrets, and it's true, right? The things that we regret in our life are typically things that we we've never done, mm -hmm. but we're not focusing on the things we've done and failed, and what we've learned from those. I, I love that. That's a great point. Well, gosh, I can't believe our time has come and gone, but thank you so much for being a part of the show today. And you've just done an amazing job. I love seeing what you're doing with Bruce. I'm glad that we were finally able to get you on the show to talk about it. Uh, Dr. Picard, you've just been doing great stuff. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. You know, I, I really appreciate and I enjoy talking to you and I hope soon we can meet in person again. Yeah, absolutely. Now that we got some uh, new uh, events that are happening live, that's, that's great. Well, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of our show. As always, our goal here is to help you find the best practices for your practice. And uh, again, thank you so much for sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Don't forget to subscribe so that you know when we do have new episodes that go up, they can pop up into your notifications and you can make sure you don't miss a single episode. Until the next episode, remember our goal here is always to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. We'll see you on the next show, everybody. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for your support. We'll see you on the next episode.